morning. I'm excited to share with you this morning. It's going to be a little different. I haven't done this for a while. Um, I'm going to preach on uh, the birth pangs towards the second coming. You probably haven't heard much of a message on the second coming uh, recently. So I want to share on what I think is a very important doctrine, uh, and that's the second coming. But I'm going to be talking about the birth pangs. But let's go straight to the scripture in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 to 11 in the NIV. This says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as they were going and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then in Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to be reading uh, specific verses, but just the context of that, we see that uh, Jesus has been in the temple and he actually pronounces that uh, there's going to be the destruction of the temple. One stone won't be laid upon the other. And the disciples immediately respond and they ask him about the future. And in verse 3, And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 21 and verse 11, he includes the word pestilences, diseases. Verse 8, and all these are the beginning of birth pangs. That's my sermon this morning, birth pangs. Then you will be handed over and be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness and the love of most will grow cold. But, one, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Then going to verse 34, or 36 rather, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of, of, of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day of Noah, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away, all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field; one will be taken and one will be left. Two women grinding at the hand at a handmill; 
One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. But understand this. The owner of the house had known, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. And so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. A man in India was walking to work and he crossed the line and he saw an oncoming train and there was a child playing on the railway, railway track. And he quickly ran and he pulled the child off as the train passed by. He had saved that kid. He went on to work. He was a judge. He sat and he listened to a case where the jury pronounced that the murderer was guilty and he sentenced the person to death. On that same day, he was both saviour and judge. So often we talk about Jesus as saviour, but he will come again as a judge. All of us would love to know the future. All of us would love to know what is going to take place around the corner and in years to come. And we are faced in this modern world with a whole lot of different issues. Will the Holocaust take place in our lifetime? We see Russia invading Ukraine, and we wonder how long will this situation where this big bully is going to come crashing in on the smaller country, how long will the world stand by and watch before it begins to intervene? How long will it be before there is famine, population saturation, international hostilities between nations and races? How much longer does man have on this planet as we approach 20, 50? I think that there is going to be a growing anxiety within people with a feeling of doom that will continue to grow. I'm not a prophet, I'm not a son of a prophet, just a plain old pastor. But I'm going to tell you categorically that people will begin to see and sense and hysteria and it'll begin to get to an all-time fever pitch. But there's going to be a culmination. And the culmination of this age, of the entire age, is going to be the coming of Jesus Christ as he returns to earth one day. There's a tremendous amount of historical evidence that we probably are going to be one of the last generations, if not the last generation, as a Christian, as Christians, to see what's going to happen. Christ is going to come. I think he's coming soon. His coming is going to unlock all future events. His coming is going to fulfill the old and the New Testament. It's going to include many of Christ's own prophecies, and it's going to complete his work of salvation that he started during his first visit and his first coming. Christ's second coming is going to unleash a chain of events that are going to be that are predicted in the scripture, and it's going to set loose a sequence that will cause come to the end of the world. The specific time is unknown. We see in Matthew 24 and 36, but for the day and the hour, no one knows, 
not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. But we don't have to be anxious as Christians. Because Jesus has said, I'm with you, and I will come again. The world is going to be destroyed. But it's not going to be by nuclear holocaust. The Bible clearly says that it's not going to be destroyed by man, but by God himself. And if we look at the latter part of Revelation 19 and the first part of Revelation 20, God himself is going to destroy the earth a thousand years after the coming of Jesus. Don't worry about a nuclear holocaust. Jesus said, I will come again. It's an unconditional promise. And the doctrine of the second coming is huge. When we say the Apostles' Creed, for those of you who might not know it, it's just the basic tenets of the Christian faith, the basic beliefs. I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and goes through Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary. He he was raised from the dead. He will come again to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. It is a huge, huge thing in the Christian faith. There are 216 chapters in the New Testament. There are uh, 7,957 verses. Of those verses... 318, that's fine, it's fine. 318 verses refer to the second coming. In other words, one in 25 verses deals with the second coming. The doctrine of the second coming is totally dependent on the resurrection, the doctrine of the resurrection of the body. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 23. The doctrine of the second coming is so important because it reveals the victory of Christ over Satan when he comes again. And it also reveals the doctrine of the deity of Jesus. Jesus promised many times that he would come again. And his coming again will vindicate the fact that he is of a divine nature. God cannot lie. He cannot deceive. And if Jesus doesn't come again, he's guilty of fraud. It just goes against everything that we believe that God has said in his word. Now there are conflicting verses in the second coming, regarding the second coming. There are verses that talk about Jesus will come as a thief in the night, while others say that every eye shall see him. Some say there will come a time of great joy and blessing, and then others say that his second coming will cause the earth to mourn. Different verses. But I think that there's a way to correlate these things. The second coming will come in two stages. The first stage is the rapture. It's the taking of the church. The second is the glorious appearing of the whole earth. Christ will come secretly in the rapture and then he will come publicly to the earth in his glorious appearing. 
Now, in Matthew 24, we saw that Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He said, not one stone, we started in verse 1, not one stone will be upon another. In other words, the temple will be destroyed. And we saw that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. The Roman ruler Titus came into, uh, into Jerusalem and absolutely smashed the city. And Jesus goes on and he talks about a nation will rise against nation and there will be famines and there will be earthquakes. But these are all birth pangs. Birth pangs. Mm. Birth pangs. Ladies, you remember when you gave birth. You look at your child and you remember the pain that you caused me. Some men are nodding their heads. You don't know nothing, man. I don't, just don't stop nodding your head. The, the, the children should appreciate that. We've got no idea as men what ladies go through in, in birth. But some say men have uh, false labor pains. <laughs> really? <laughs> what is that, false labor pains? I mean, some say that it's like a kidney stone. The, the, the pain is equivalent. Well, thank God that the women give birth, not men. Eh? But the reality is that if your contractions are about 10 minutes apart, you've got all the time in the world. But if they're two minutes apart... You better get to the doctor or to the hospital quick, quick. I had an assistant minister years ago when I was still in the Presbyterian church and his wife was pregnant and giving birth to their second child. I mean, she, she started to have labor pains and it was so quick. They were driving to the hospital and she said, quick, 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 I can feel the head. I mean, he was not a very fast guy. He was a very slow-talking dude. But he drove like a bat out of hell to the hospital. You don't want to give birth on the carpet of your uh, of the, the, the carpet of your car. Uh, yeah. There was a TV program many years ago called Murphy Brown, and uh, I, I remember one quote there. You know, giving birth to a child is climbing out of your car through your exhaust pipe. Uh, <laughs> so. Carol, Carol Burnett said, she was the comedian in the 60s and 70s, and she said, childbirth is like taking your bottom lip and lifting it over your forehead. You know, I... But these are birth packs. Some women opt for natural birth. Natural birth. This means, means no drugs will be administered to the woman during childbirth. The father can take as many drugs as he wants, but no drugs. <laughs> but the birth pangs. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be diseases and famines and earthquakes. And we're going to look at some of those. Let's look at the first sign, the first birth pang. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. We see war at the moment in the world. Our news networks have focused quite a lot on the war between Russia and the Ukraine. But I did a little bit of research yesterday. I mean, the history of the world, there are hundreds and hundreds 
of wars that have taken place. It is the scourge of humanity. Where people rise up against people and kill people, kill men and women and children. It's just a terrible scourge. And possibly the greatest reflection was the First World War, where two small nations, Serbia and Austria, started to fight against one another. And then halfway through the war, there were 27 different nations. And by the end of the war, there were 43 different nations involved in the First World War. Nation against nation. Julius Caesar, during the height of the Roman Empire, dominated from the Euphrates all the way through until England. He dominated with 400,000 soldiers. The Napoleonic War took place. And Napoleon dominated most of Europe all the way down into West Asia and South uh, North Africa with 750,000 men. During the First World War, there were 53 million people in uniform. One in seven. During the First World War, 40 million people died. And that included some of the victims of the Spanish flu right at the beginning of the Spanish flu towards the end of the war that ended in 1980. 40 million deaths. Famine. Some of the statistics here. Famine is where hunger prevails. Do you know how many people die of hunger every day? This is a shame. 25,000 people die of hunger every day. You worry about COVID. That means that more than a thousand people every hour are dying of hunger. At any one given time, there are 854 million people worldwide that are estimated to be undernourished. In the world today, our wealth stands at about $400 trillion. $400 trillion. The billionaires of the world, their wealth increases by $5.2 billion a day, which is $216 million an hour. And 25,000 people are dying of hunger every day. Earthquakes. Sat in front of my computer yesterday, and every single earthquake, I mean, they're small, some of them, are recorded. At three o'clock in the afternoon, 36 earthquakes around the world had taken place yesterday. In the 20th century, and you must realize that the recording of these events is improving all the time. But one million earthquakes were recorded in the 20th century. In the 14th century, 157. 15th century, 140, 174. In the 16th century, 253. In the 17th century, 278. In the 18th century, 640. In the 19th century, 2,119. 
the 20th century a million. This past week, Mendel and I went up to a little church, Joshua Generation Church, that's just started recently in Tilbach, and we spent some time with the group there and with the leaders. Uh, I mean, I must just say, and this is a little footnote, uh, we have planted six churches, and we have seen to two others in terms of Chrabot and Gordon's Bay. Uh, you, you need a, 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 a spine of steel to start a church. And I was just being there, just thought, realized, wow, these guys need all the help. There are strong personalities that have come into that church that are making a lot of noise here. It's a little bit uh, deflected because we've got a large congregation and I've got fantastic leaders around. But, but I just realized you need serious, serious courage to plant a church. But we were up there. There's signs all over Tilbach remembering the 50 years. In actual fact, it's now 53 years since the worst earthquake in South Africa took place, and it was in Tilbach in 1969, the magnitude of 6.3. There have been five earthquakes in the world that have registered over the nine category. Kamchatka in Russia, 1952. Tohoku, off the coast of Japan, in 2011. Sumatra, we were alive when that huge tsunami took place. The earthquake took place 1,500 kilometers into the sea. At times, there were 30-meter-high waves. It caused 250,000 deaths. The Alaska on Good Friday in 1964. And the worst of all earthquakes was in Chile, in Valdivia, 9.5. I saw a picture of that earthquake. Just, it was like a nuclear bomb had been dropped on that. 9.5, 1960 it took place. There will be pestilences every decade, century. It just kind of gets worse and worse. The Black Death in the 14th century. World population at that point was 450 million. 75 million people died. That, that, that's really half of world, half of Europe's population died. The Spanish flu in 1918. 50 million people died. Estimates go up all the way to 100 million. But in the first 25 weeks, in the first six months, 25 million people died. COVID doesn't even come anywhere near the devastation of that. HIV. Well, 38 million people in sub-Sahara Africa are infected with HIV. The first breakout probably of the bubonic plague, took place in 541 in the Eastern Roman Empire. 5,000 people a day were dying. 40% of the population died. Today, modern diseases, heart, stroke, respiratory infections, pulmonary disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, TB, malaria, HIV, 
Ebola. You just cure one and out pop another 10. Birth pains. These are birth pains. The second sign is that world travel and knowledge will increase. Go to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. There will be travel. The ESV says many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall, shall increase. I mean, 120 years ago, when the first combustion engines took place, these little cars were traveling along dirt roads at a rapid speed of 19 kilometers an hour. Woo! Now we have vehicles. The fastest vehicle, the Thrust SSC, can travel 1,228 kilometers an hour. The Lockheed Blackbird can travel at 3,500 kilometers an hour at a speed of Mach 3.3. Spaceships travel through space at 39,000 kilometers an hour. Many will travel to and fro. Passenger planes have increased. Their stability, their speed, their size. The largest passenger plane is the Airbus A380-800. It can accommodate 853 people. It travels 1,300, sorry, 13,120, I sound like Zuma, 13,120 kilometers. That's the range, and it can travel at 43,000 feet. The Boeing 747-8 carries 600 people. It was brought out in 2006. It's got a range of 14,800 kilometers. The rail in China, they will soon have 70,000 kilometers of rail, and they, the, the, the trains can travel at a speed of 350 kilometers an hour. Many will run to and fro. Back in the days of Daniel, the fastest was on a donkey or a horse or on foot. And we can get into a train and travel at 350 kilometers an hour. And knowledge will increase. They say that 70% of medicines we use today were invented after the Second World War. 80% of scientists are alive today. We've got access to huge, huge resources and knowledge when we turn on our computers. Knowledge, they say, is increasing every 12 months. They did research, and Buckminster Fuller said knowledge, he talked about the knowledge doubling curve. In the first 1900 years, human knowledge, for the first 1900 years, knowledge increased per century, doubled. From the Second World War, knowledge began to double every 25 years. But it varies. Nanotechnology knowledge 
is doubling every two years. That's to improve technology and industry. Technical knowledge is improving every 18, is doubling every 18 months. The average knowledge is doubling every 13 months. Their aim is to double knowledge their aim every 12 hours. And knowledge will increase. A birth pain. The third birth pain is a rise of the occult and the flood of wickedness. Look at what 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 says. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. We watch Netflix, love historical stuff, but I cannot believe the amount of movies that has a real dark, horror, satanic influence, demonic influence in it. All of us agree. What really freaks me out is that I never see somebody blaspheme in the name of Confucius or Buddha or Hare Krishna. It is only Jesus Christ. And they say it so often. The Bible clearly tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. This is what it says. Paul is talking to us. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. We see such darkness taking place. But we don't need to know the future if we belong to Him because He is the one who holds the future. There's going to be a flood of wickedness. In Luke chapter 17, we see and Jesus singled out two events in Luke 17 where mankind is destroyed because it becomes so corrupt that God couldn't put up with any more of its, of its falseness and, and evil. It was the flood and God destroyed the world's population and Sodom and Gomorrah where it destroy, he destroyed those two cities in the days of Lot. Just, I've had enough. God's mercy came to an end and his judgment fell. And it's going to be like that during the time of the second coming. I mean, I've yet to see a modern movie where it reflects where people of God, pastors, preachers, really, really love God with all of their hearts. And it reflects that they love God. They always are brought over as people who are crooks, who are perverts, who are adulterers, who are uh, homosexual. Just, that's it. Jesus said, the world will not love you. The world will hate you. Listen, they hated Jesus. The world's going to hate us as well. Let me carry on and talk a little bit more about the evil that's taking place. We see drugs. Let me talk about alcohol. You know, alcohol is such an insidious, it's a stealth thing. They say that 31.5% have an alcohol, of people here in South Africa have an alcohol problem or at risk of developing one. 7.1% of the deaths that are recorded are attributed to alcohol. Rape. Oof. Guys, 
South Africa has the highest, one of the highest rate counts in the world. 132 to every 100,000 inhabitants. In the United States, 27 to 100,000. But here in South Africa, it, it is 66,196 that were reported rapes. In other words, that's 24 every hour. Let me talk about the abortion. The statistics in America are much greater. Four, one in four American women will have an abortion by the time they get to 45 years of age. So there are 44 million women between the ages of 18 and 44, which means that 11 million of them have had abortions. Legalized abortions in the U.S. now stands at 61 million, just in the United States. Last year, around the world, 13 million people died of communicable diseases. 8.2 million lost their lives with cancer. 5.1 million died as a result of smoking. 2.5 million died from alcohol abuse. 1.8 million died of coronavirus. Traffic accidents, fatalities, 1.4 million lives. Suicides, 1.1 million. It amounts to 33 million. You know how many babies were aborted around the world last year? 42 million. It exceeded all of those by 9 million. In the United States, 3,000 abortions take place every day. We're going to have to be judged for that. As a, as, as, as a, as a race, a society, it is statistically proven the most dangerous place for anyone to be is in the womb of your mother. The people in Noah's day disregarded the warnings that were coming at them for 120 years. They disregarded it, and then the flood came. And in verse 44 of Matthew 20, for, for this reason be ready to for the son of man is coming at an hour when you do not think you will another birth pang and I want to finish off with this one just the four at least today We've got some more coming <laughs> Jesus will not return until the Great Commission is fulfilled. Look at Matthew 24 and verse 14. For the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It's regarded that 31.2% of the world's population, 2.3 billion out of the 7.3 billion people that live on the face of the earth, 31.2% are 
are supposedly Christian. It's growing. 85,000 people are added to the church every day. Two and a half thousand church, uh, churches are started every week. We've seen an explosion of Christianity in Africa. The number of Christians that are coming into faith are doubling or exceeding that of the birth rate. There's unprecedented growth in China, India, Indonesia, South Korea, and Latin America. Latin America is strong in Pentecostalism, and that is exceeding the birth rate as well. But growth worldwide is dropping. The Muslim faith is increasing. The number of Muslims in 1985 was 17.1, and 2000 it was 19.2. But I want to say to you, the gospel will continue to be preached. Sitting listening to some of the people say, this last, this last week, one of, the, one of the young ladies said, but I, I love a small group. I, I love it when it's just tight like this and we know one another. But you see, this is an organization, this is an institution that does not exist for itself. It exists for those that are out there. And Jesus has said to us, go into all the world and make disciples. I mean, even the testimony from Stephen, he went out to other churches to, 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 to proclaim the gospel. That's our job, is to go out and to proclaim the gospel throughout the earth. The end time, evangelism, is a dream, but it's beginning to take place and will continue to take place. There are many ways to evangelize through the church, through mass evangelism. And that seems to be diminishing. With the death of Billy Graham and with COVID, we don't have these mass evangelism crusades anymore. Lifestyle evangelism, friendship evangelism. They say that two-thirds of people who come to Christ, they attribute it to personal witness, of, to friends and to family. Urbanization is increasing. In 1880, 5% of the world's population lived in cities and towns. In 1980, 35%. Last year, 56% lived in cities and towns of the world's population. It is increasing, so it makes it that much more interesting in terms of evangelism. Jesus is coming back, and he will come back as a judge. For a Christian, that's wonderful news. For all of us who have responded in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's wonderful, it's good news. Jesus Christ in you is the hope of glory. I want to finish off with a, a story about a famous conductor, Toscanini. He was a very harsh man. He was so musically astute and so gifted that he would actually rebuke and reprimand people who weren't playing their part. And he was going through a whole lot of, with his orchestra that he was conducting, he was going through uh, a whole lot of series and he started piecemeal, individual people, and then together as a group, and then the one night they got to play to an audience. And they played, and they were magnificent. He had coached them, he had uh, mentored them to such an extent, he had conducted with great skill, and it was a magnificent display. 
And at the end, everybody applauded, and there was a hushed silence. And one of the violinists said this, if he scolds us after that, I'll jump up and I'll push him off the platform. But he didn't scold. There was just this hushed silence. And this is what he said. Who am I? Who is Toscanini? Who are you? You are nobody. And he paused. And there was this awed silence. And then he said, Beethoven. Beethoven is everything. I want to tell you he's everything. For a conductor, Beethoven might be everything. For us as believers, I want to tell you God is everything. 